Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. He's back. He's back. I'm back! All right, here we go. Get ready to have a good time. Well, come on. What are we waiting for? Let's go. This is exciting, isn't it? No. Yes. All right, we're on. Hello, testing, testing, testing. Welcome aboard the Dreamliner. Hello, hello. These are the names of the pilots. Okay. Sum Ting Wong. Okay. We Too Low. Okay. And Ho Lee. Whoa, whoa, hey. whoa. What the hell happened? What happened? This, this was, was a nice, nice evening. Don't... <laughs> but wait, there's more. Four, three, two. Gary, Gary, Gary. Oh, Gary. Welcome back. He's down on the phone. I am proud of you, my man. Gary, Gary, Gary. What's going on, brother? Air show weekend. Afterburners, <laughs> car alarms going off. Yeah. Van Halen in the cockpit. I love this country, Dave. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on. A lot of practicing going on this weekend. You know what's really funny is when I used to work down at the Montgomery Ward building on the Chicago River, um, I used to go sit on the fire escape and watch them like fly by. They they, they kind of like just fly by the river. And I remember the building manager said to me, you can't stand on the fire escape. The only thing holding that to the buildings at the time is the paint. You got to get down from there. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned Montgomery Ward. My father's generation referred to that store as Monkey Ward. And I could never figure out why it was called Monkey Ward. (laughs) I have no idea either. Right? I have no idea either. How was your summer, Gary? What's going on? Summer, I love summer, and speaking of the air show, one of the greatest moments, well, let me talk about two great moments. I watched the air show from a boat one year, and the Blue Angels were maybe 100 feet above us, and it was just magnificent. I'll tell you what, when I see those jets go over, I tear up and I get a chubby. It's so fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a tradition here in Chicago, and you know, and you know it's just this deep center of of summer here in Chicago and the weather's always, you know, traditionally beautiful. I know we're going to get a little rain tomorrow, but I heard you're going down to the playpen this weekend with your posse. Is that correct? (laughs) That was the other great moment that I can recall all the time. Years ago, a friend of mine had a 36 foot old Chris craft and he brought a bunch of his friends out and we went out to the playpen and we anchored about 11 a and just sat there and drank. It was one of those glorious Chicago summer days and I thought, I'll never forget this day, and I haven't. I can remember every moment of that day. And now, when you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic on Lakeshore along the playpen, and you look at all those people out there partying, don't you want to be there? Yeah, you do, you do. But, I mean, what we've been seeing in the news here lately is just, just some tragic, I mean, stuff well, going on. listen, yeah. I don't know why you want to get off the boat, because there is so much going on there. I would never get in the water. First of all, it always seemed too cold for me. Yeah, and there would be shrinkage, so I just stayed on the boat and drank. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. But I mean, just what's going on there, and, and this woman losing her, I know legs, and I know there's a GoFundMe for her. Apparently, no insurance. They got like 125 thousand dollars, which probably doesn't cover that much. I would think at right, this that's point. That's about one day in a hospital. Yeah, these days. yeah. But that's kind of it's crazy. Like the danger of driving. Like you expect to be, you know. I guess you know maybe you shouldn't be in a, on a lily pad in Lake Michigan. It's a, a lot of traffic and so forth. But, but 
but still at the same time, you would think you're a little bit safe in that area because the boats are kind of clustered together. Like did they ever, I don't even think they got down to the bottom of what happened or how we, how was he drinking? I mean, what the hell? I know, I know you're a boater, but you mostly boat in Wisconsin on a quiet and lake. I'm sure you've been out on Lake Michigan. I yeah. again was out on a boat and we got out there and it got rough and you can't, when you get far enough out, you can't see anything. And it's like being in the middle of the ocean. People say, oh, it's a lake. No, this is a massive body of water. Is, and when it starts churning, it can be very scary. Another time went out fishing, right? Or about 10, 15 miles out. Now you can't see the skyline anymore. And now you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. And we're just sitting there. And this guy would hook the lines up into these sleeves. Yeah. And then we'd all sit there and eat watermelon. And he'd sit up on top. And then he'd go, line! And then he'd run down from that perch and start yep. pulling. And I'm my watermelon's going all over the place. I'm thinking, what? But here's the thing. We're, yeah. we're sitting there very quiet. And all of a sudden, this inflatable robot type thing just goes floating by about 15 yards away. It's, it's the weirdest damn it thing is, when you is. get out there. It is. It's also, though, when I see friends or, or, or people posting stuff on Instagram or Facebook, it's there's never an ugly person in the playpen. I'm just saying, there's just <laughs> never, <laughs> there's never, they're all good looking, hot, handsome, whatever people on this thing. And it reminds me of that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode that Larry discovered that he was always being shuffled out of the front of the restaurant to like the back corner. And it was only the good-looking people that got to sit up by the windows and where everyone could see them. Otherwise, you got shuffled <laughs> to the back. And I kind of well, feel like well, that's a playpen probably a little bit. Well, that, and that's a very L.A. thing. I've been out there a number of times, and you go to these hip restaurants, and if they don't know you, if you're not a celebrity, they end up putting you by the kitchen or the bathroom. And I'm thinking, geez, I must be hideous. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it kind of feels like. Right? Yeah, because I'm watching this all the time. The bachelor parties, the bachelorette parties, the whatever, just a bunch of people hanging out and, and looking good on the on the lake. It's, you know, I'm, I'm a little jealous, but man, I just there's just been some chaos uh, running around there uh, lately. So, but, speaking of sitting by the bathroom yeah. at this place, this was years ago. Remember Spago? Oh, yeah. He had some places in Chicago, but he was the hot restaurant guy mm-hmm. back in the day with Spago. And they seated me and my party near the bathroom because they didn't know who we were. Okay, if I want to get a pizza, i got to sit here. <laughs> Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees go- goes past us into the bathroom, and for the next five minutes, he's retching as we're sitting there. Oh, and I no. thought, well, and I'm Mickey Dolenz, so I guess that's okay. <laughs> Where's your book, by the way, now that I'm thinking about this? Which book? Uh, you, you got plenty of stories. People, you <laughs> met your career. Come on, pour it into a piece of paper. Call Rick Camper. Uh, Let's get this done. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, maybe I should just keep it to myself. <laughs> no, I mean, you do have great stories. Like I, you and I, when we talk off air, you always got some some just amazing stories. Somebody you ran to, somebody you met, somebody you work with. It's, you well, know. It, it's funny, Dave, because I've been doing this so long and have been so lucky to have met so many people. Here's an example. I'm watching. The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock the other night. Mm-hmm. And I met Tippi Hedren, who was in the movie a few years ago. She came into Chicago to talk about working with Alfred Hitchcock and oh, talk yeah. about the birds. And I talked to her outside of that little seminar she did. And I said, so what can you tell me about filming that movie? And she said, because Hitchcock was so weird with his women that when he went after her and wanted to kind of bed her down and she rebuffed, when they got to that scene, if you've seen the movie, mm-hmm. she's in this room. She goes in this room, and all those birds are in there. Yeah. And 
she gets caught where the door slams behind her and the birds are coming at her. He's, he taped, he strapped the birds to her arms so they would attack her in the movie. Wow. Wow. Yeah, weird stuff like that. I love that kind of stuff. You talk about Alfred Hitchcock, and that you know I, that sounds a little gross. Like he's <laughs> he's looking for you know whatever. But yeah, well, he had a history. They say of doing all that. You know, it reminds me of like when I'm when I can't sleep at three in the morning and I'm watching like uh, Canon <laughs> because that's all that's on. And he's right. in a bar at the end of the episode, as big as William Conrad was. His pants are up to the like the William Frawley Fred Mertz <laughs> right halfway up the chest. And he's at the bar and there's just some good looking woman that's standing at the bar. Hey, what are you doing? You want to hey. go have a drink somewhere? <laughs> like it's a, Canon? It's when I when I see pictures of Don Knotts, aka Barney Fife, yeah. with hot women in Hollywood, and I guess he was quite the lawnsman no. in his day. And I'm thinking if you're in bed with Barney Fife, what's that like? <laughs> yeah, you know, sure. I got a bullet in the gun, you know. But they had regular lives, but you can't picture them being real people. It's the same as when I met Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, and he wasn't Pee Wee Herman when I met him, and it really weirded me out. Yeah, that would be. And it was probably around that that time of his trouble. uh, Well, it was right before that, and I met him after he did the show at the Park West, and his hair was not greased back. It was washed, and he's holding a cocktail, and his voice is very hey how you doing how'd you like, it was like crusty the clown how you doing how'd you like the show yeah i don't want that ruined for me. yeah where's Wee? we're celebrating national radio day it's on saturday and we're talking to my pal gary meyer and we'll talk a little radio and a little radio history when we come back on 720 wgn all right dave plyer gary meyer 720 wgn i should probably reverse that probably should be gary meyer first uh, dave flyer 720 wgn <laughs> i love catch 35 by the way yeah great place Great, yeah. great place. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, and I and I do love these these stories. But like, what influenced you to get into radio? You were like working construction, I think, at the time, weren't you? Well, let me give you just a quick little history. From high school, I went to pharmacy school, right, and then I went to construction, and then I went to radio. A very logical pattern <laughs> into the business. I just watched a podcast where this man by the name of Ken Drake. Mm-hmm. Ben Kendrick, uh, he was a programmer back in the 60s, and they interviewed him in this thing, and he was the architect of WCFL in Chicago, if they were wrong at that time. Wow. And he was assigned to go up against then-juggernaut WLS. His mission was to bring in DJs who had a strong personality, so they would do more than just introduce songs. And he did that, and it was fantastic. Fantastic, And these DJs would be backstage with the Beatles and all the other big musical acts. And you felt like they were the conduit to pool. And then the radio stations, WLS and WCFL, Super CFL was its moniker. You could go and watch the DJs in the the buildings they were in, Marina City and the London House where WLS was. And that, that was so captivating to me. I did that, and I thought, wow, this is such a cool job. I wish I could have one of these. And then, as I've told the story a number of times, there was a guy, Larry Lujak, on the air. Yeah. He read my letter on a show that I wrote him, and that was the catalyst, I think. That really fired me up. Yeah, because it was guys that you were listening to. I know Ron Britton, you know, even Landecker says that that was the guy that he listened to. That you know, And Tommy Edwards, too. He said Ron Britton, for sure. 
um, was one. Actually, uh, Tommy Edwards mentioned uh, Bill Curtis. He was he had a different name at the time, but he was doing radio and he had the voice. Of course, he still has the voice, but Bill it was Curtis about fantastic. <laughs> but fantastic. It, but for you know, and I and I have to say, you know, uh, you know, for me. You know, early on, it, it, it was Landecker and, and it was, you know, Fred Winston and, and uh, Uncle Laren and Little Snot Nose Tommy. But I my my really my formative years, my high school years and so forth, I was listening to to Gary and Steve and, and Brandmeier and, and Matthews. And that was just a powerhouse that just could not be beat. Well, you you didn't form that if you think those are your formative <laughs> years and you listen to us. You're still forming, my man. That was the best radio. I, as I it said, it was incredible because. We were allowed to do what we did, and we brought the listeners in. The The overriding credo was high school with money, yeah. and everybody was in on the party. It was the audio version of the playpen. Let's put it that way. We all strapped our boats together and partied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a day. But, I mean, it, you know, we talk about, like, a GN today. You know, there's a lot of our listeners that turn on the radio, and God love them, at 6 o'clock in the morning, and they have it on till night or through the night, you know. And that's kind of what it was back then. You listened to LS, or if you were a fan of CFL, or The Loop, you turned it on in the morning. And just when you got in the car, it was on when you got in the car because you didn't want to miss anything. I grew up in the era of the transistor radio. It was our cell phone of that day if the cell phone only got AM radio. Yeah. But it was incredible, and I still have this AM transistor radio on my desk because that's the way it started for me. And it had such magical moments surrounding it. And to this day, I mean, radio as a medium is still pretty incredible. I mean, I would sit in these studios and think thousands of people, if they wanted to, could listen and thankfully did. But that's a weird concept when you're sitting in a room and you know that you're doing it right now. And our voices are shooting all over who knows where. And and that's a pretty amazing thought. Now, I have to tell you, speaking of the 50,000-watt blower, which you're on here, the best studio I ever worked in was that WGN studio on Michigan Avenue. That was so incredible because I love interfacing with listeners and all those people walking by, you could tap into whatever was going on. And when that studio went, I thought, wow, I really think that, that took something out of the fizz that I enjoy. It did for you. Cause I mean, you would do stuff on the street and, and yeah, not only talking to people walking by, but you would get out there in, yeah. in, in that plaza, you know, where really so many people were interacting and, and talking to, and I agree. And, and really with AM radio, when you think about it today, you know, you know, live and local is what people talk about. They don't always practice it. This station is about live and local and being here and talking about the city. But most radio stations, AM stations around the country, though, you know, when they're owned by conglomerates that have hundreds of radio stations, they, they might have a morning show that's local, and then it's all syndicated for the yes. the rest of the day. And that just takes the, the steam out. We were talking about WABC in New York. You know, it's pretty much, you know, there's some, there's some local stuff, but it's some syndicated stuff. And then, but then you get like Cousin Brucey, who was on Sirius and was on WABC back in the day in the 60s, who's still doing like Saturday, Sunday night music stuff on the radio, um, which is kind of cool. It's kind of a throwback. But the rest of the day, you're listening to somebody from another state talking about national politics. And that's yeah. just not local anymore. Speaking of New York radio, when I would go there in the 70s and turn the radio on, I'd have Wolfgang Jack, Cousin Brucie, Soupy Sales, and all these huge personalities that were not only famous for radio, but they had a lot of other TV presence. And I thought, wow, they've got them on the radio, too. 
That was fascinating. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Man Jack, to me, in American Graffiti, was another uh, electrifying moment for me to get into radio. And then I got to meet him a couple years or a year or two after American Graffiti came out and I was in heaven. He was the nicest guy. I think that is one of my top three movies of summer that is truly yeah. summer because it was it wasn't an era that i grew up in my dad did and but he talks about those times and still talks about those times all the time and the stars that were in there but yeah wolfman jack was kind of the glue throughout the yes. entire movie that kept everything kind of together exactly he was the core and they were listening to him as they cruised around all night and that was set in the early 60s and george lucas that was his first movie yeah he made it for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars and nobody wanted to distribute it. And then I think uh, Coppola took it, and yep. they made $75 million on that movie. Yeah. Ron Howard. $750,000 investment. Ron yeah. Howard, Harrison Ford, uh, you know, Mackenzie Phillips, Suzanne Summers in the car, like Richard Drive. Like, the stars, they were barely stars then. Right. But that movie just spoke of summer. Um, Gary, you can catch Gary uh, weekdays uh, with his podcast at Gary Meyer. Uh, dot com and i'm so glad you know as i as i mentioned to you know being that it's a national radio day this weekend i'm like you know what i'm gonna have my favorite sign and we're gonna talk a little radio i'm always i'm always happy when you say yes dave i'm honored when you ask me thanks brother have a great weekend all right take care sir